Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Moon Underwater, and the Moon Underwater is in fine fettle. It's, uh, it, it's I think, in honour of Deb, made sure it's got decent enough speakers so that were there to be music playing, you wouldn't just hear the bass line of, um, of, of that song, Robin. Papa was a Rolling Stone. Papa was yeah. a Rolling Stone. Because <laughs> I think one thing pubs really do skimp on is speaker quality. Mm. Yeah, they almost sometimes look like those PC speakers you used to get. Those sort of tiny little plastic guys, and you think, come on, g- give me a bit of dynamic range, for goodness sake. <laughs> uh, but before we left you, uh, Robin had set us a rather haunting Moon Underwater pub quiz. So, Robin, can we have the answers, please? Yes, John. Yeah, this week the pub quiz was um, was about Thomas Hardy and The Cure. I was giving you two titles in each question. You have to tell me which one was a Cure song and which one is a Thomas Hardy poem. So question one was, A Meeting with Despair... And the funeral party. Deb, what do you think for that one? I think uh, the second one is the cure. Okie dokie. John, what do you think? Yeah, I went the same. Uh, the funeral party was the cure. You're both bang right. Yeah, that's a, that's a song from the Faith album. Uh, um, a Meeting with Despair. Lovely name. Could be a song. Uh, question two is The Drowning Man and the Ghost of the Past. Deb, what do you think? Uh, I think, again, the second one is... The cure. I'm not 100%, but yeah, I think the second one is probably the cure. Okay, John, what do you think? I thought the ghost of the past was Hardy. You're right, John. The ghost of the past is Hardy. The Drowning Man is a cure song, also from the Faith album. Good album. And the third one is Rain on a Grave and Prayers for Rain. So, Deb. I think the first was the cure. Rain on a grave, and John, what are you saying? I went the same. Yeah. Well, you're both wrong. I'm afraid. Rain on a grave is Hardy, and prayers for rain is uh, the cure from Disintegration. Uh, great album. So, John, I think you've won that with two points. I think it, did. it was a lot. Of, it was guessing. I didn't well, know. It was, any well, of it, was a, it, it was all guesswork. It was guessing. It was guessing. But yeah. Um, so there we go. Let's let's all have a lovely 
listen to disintegration and uh, watch the rain fall down outside the window. So we return to Deb Grant's Dream Pub. Now, it's not going to be a music venue. There may or may not be music playing uh, because Deb has fond memories of a cavernous musicless hall (laughs) where she would go on dates to really focus on, I'm guessing, quite echoey conversation. Do you remember the name of that pub? Oh, my God. What was it called? It had a very generic pub name. It was a bit like a terrible student halls type place. Um, I think I used to take people there because it was like, you know, if you can tolerate this, (laughs) I kind of want to put people through their paces. Um, Yeah, I can't remember. uh, I can't remember what it was called. I think there's someone, uh, some... uh, um, draft House has bought it now and presumably acquired a music license. So, you know, it's a shame, but uh, I guess it has more of an atmosphere now. Well, Weatherspoons famously don't play music. Mm. And Do they not? No, and also, I guess atmosphere does music. I think the problem is people assume music e- equals atmosphere, and it's not always the case in pubs, I don't think. Yeah. Sometimes an, a, a quiet Weatherspoons can really accentuate the, the bleakness of it. <laughs> When you walk in. Is that not their whole shtick? That's their whole... That's what people go in for, yeah. isn't it? The bleakness? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not spoons bashers on, 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 on In the Moon Underwater, but they, they obviously are... Sometimes they can be a bit grim, for sure. I tell you what, the, the sort of... The, the orchestra of cutlery is not necessarily <laughs> yeah. what you want to hear in a yeah. pub. Yeah. And sort of yeah. crockery. Yeah. yeah. It's not a fun um, space. It's a bit like the, you're sort of, the, the pub is showing you behind its cloth... <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> what about pubs in um, in in Ireland? You mentioned going to to gigs with your dad. Mm. Were, were there any specific places you liked going when you were growing up there? Well, I moved to London when I was nineteen. Ah. Um, yeah, so I don't. Well, that's not true. I mean, I did go to pubs when I was underage. Like be, being very young. Um, my dad, I mean, I grew up in an era when children just weren't allowed in pubs at all. It's probably for the best, you know, because they were like, my dad for a living um, is or was, or who knows what he does now, was a professional gambler. So he used to spend a lot of time in a certain type of pub. And um, he used to love to leave me and my sister, like he'd park on like a double yellow line or something or somewhere he wasn't supposed to park. And he used to love to leave like me and my sister in the car is like sacrificial lambs and like tell us exactly what to say to like the traffic warden if a traffic warden came by so we'd be in the back of our in the back of the car with like our our dry roasted peanuts while our dad was I mean he wasn't like big into pubs or anything but like that's my kind of early memories of pubs like forbidden places where we'd be just sat outside in the car for hours my sister has this perfect phrase where she she refers to it as feeling nauseous with boredom sitting in the back of the car with our, with our peanuts maybe that's why I'm not that interested in uh, in drinking these days but um mm. but yeah so that's my early memories and then you know it's probably the same for you guys like when I was growing up it you didn't like it's whatever pub would take us basically so certain pubs around town would be um renowned for kind of not um kicking out underage drinkers so there was this odd place with sort of like purple strip lighting and um kind of hotel bar type furniture um called handles um on the north side of dublin where me and my friends at age 15 16 17 used to go and hang out and drink um 
uh tia maria and lime that was a big thing we used to wow. be into <laughs> yeah <laughs> um uh what else perno and black we used to like um you know uh drinks for the unsophisticated palate um so yeah and that was fun like my big thing like i was a real i i was just interested in meeting people and talking to people so um you know and it feels like in dublin a lot like the the venues and the pubs are, are often kind of one and the same or you know like Whelan's yeah that holds that that's a pub that and the, is the venue on the top floor I forget now it, it has got a venue on the top floor Whelan's is great but I mean I would consider Whelan's to be more of a a venue than a pub mm. um yeah. you do get places in Dublin which um uh will sort of turn into a venue like there's uh particularly places where you have trad irish music like there's a place up the road from where i grew up called Celtis. i don't think it exists anymore but um that was like a pub which would have trad sessions which everyone would take incredibly seriously and like you couldn't go so like we have this uh style of traditional singing in ireland called shan no singing and it's, it'll be like 16 bars of like solo voice of some man singing some ballad about some woman who lived by the sea and you can't while someone is singing a shan no song it's very disrespectful to move or certainly you can't go to the bar or to the bathroom or have a conversation or do anything so um I suppose that 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 as well is why I kind of object to the idea of yeah. a pub that's also a venue. Trauma yeah. from those experiences. Someone setting off a Dyson Airblade in the loose. <laughs> you wouldn't have it. They probably, no. I mean, a Dyson no. Airblade in, in you know Dublin in the nineteen nineties probably unlikely. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, talking, moving, clinking glasses completely mm. forbidden while that was going on. Well, I'm interested to hear what spirits you're going to pick uh, for your dream pub. I mean, you've just mentioned Perno and Tia Maria there. Um, what are you going to go for? Um, again, I just feel like yourselves and, and whoever's listening are going to be absolutely horrified. But again, like... <laughs> There's no shame, no shame in the moon underwater. I that's true. Um, <laughs> I, I have a, a, a pretty um, immature palate. I do like sort of sweet liqueurs and that kind of thing i suppose because i'm not really that used to drinking anymore so um i like does this count as a spirit i quite like you know that stuff that comes in a bottle that's shaped like a monk and it even has a little rope tied around its waist what is it called frangelico is that it the hazelnut one frangelico i absolutely love it i've got a very sweet tooth when it comes to spirits i can't i don't drink like whiskey or vodka or gin really anymore so would you I, order I john a frangelico on the rocks would you say give me a double measure of frangelico yes i would have a go on that <laughs> would mm. you yeah yeah big time i mean what was that thing we drank on stage galliano yeah got through a mm. bit of that is that like a cream like uh what's that no Galliano's like a sort of herbaceous liqueur which tastes a bit like cough mixture. Like cowpal or something more sophisticated. <laughs> like a lemony sort of lemongrassy sort of, it's very hard to describe. It's one of those liqueurs that is sort of its own flavour. But I'm a big amaretto guy. Oh, I like an amaretto. Yeah. Mm. I love it. I mean, I had a bit of a, I kind of overdid it. Like amaretto is probably something I can't really touch anymore because I, that's the thing with the sweet 
drinks like they do tend to make you quite sick quite quickly well there's nothing to stop you drinking more of them whereas i guess with like whiskey the burn and the strength (laughs) does does, does hold you back yeah yeah exactly yeah i would go frangelico over jack daniels a hundred well you're welcome in my pub the time yeah (laughs) robin you're staying very quiet there Oh yeah, I, I, I don't know. I can't. I don't think. Um, I'm trying to remember. Some someone might have chosen it before. I think. Really? Yes, we have had Frangelico chosen yeah. before. Yes, and it comes with a. I, I, do you know what? I was trying to remember the name of the monk's rope. Yeah, there's a little rope round the monk. <laughs> it's got a specific name, has it? But you know, it will come. I'm happy someone else has picked it. <laughs> Would you just hard nose a Frangelico on the rocks, or are you mixing with that boy? <laughs> yeah, hard nose. <laughs> Can you call yourself a hard nose if you're drinking Frangelico? I don't know. Um, yeah, I would order it because that's the thing as well. It kind of looks like something harder. Like anything in a short glass that you're drinking on the rocks kind of makes you look cool. No one has to know that it's Frangelico or Amaretto. No one else has to know it tastes delicious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they think you are hard nosing something disgusting like Jack Daniels. Uh, and what would be your second choice? A cincture, a cincture, uh, <laughs> a cincture. Thank you. Sorry, that's the monk's rope. Oh, wow. I never knew yeah. that. Wow. <laughs> so you could have a tincture with your cincture. Of, 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 oh, my God. Maybe yeah. I should go into business with someone. This yeah. is solid gold. Um, uh, it's something similar, I guess, for my second spirit. I do like a Bailey's um, at Christmas. So maybe, maybe some Bailey's again, like a nice Bailey's on ice. Um is like, yeah. Do you know what your drink choices are saying to me? Indian restaurant coming with a bill. <laughs> that kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. like that. I like that. That's generous of you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, uh, I don't know, 14-year-old girl's slumber party or something. <laughs> <laughs> A limoncello with the bill. Mm, Is there much better than that? Oh, I love a limoncello with the bill. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Well, we take a break now from uh, the Frangelicos, the Baileys, to expand our minds as we head into the Moon Underwater Pub Library with Robin. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Thanks, John. And this week in the pub library, it's um, someone who's a former guest of the Moon Underwater, which is Emma Inch. Uh, Emma Inch is a brilliant beer writer, uh, so you should definitely check out the episode we did with her if you haven't already. And this is actually a, a, a piece of writing that she did for a website called Flagship February, which uh, and it's available on her website. And um, John actually read this out in the episode, but I thought it's so good, I'll, I'll, I'll read it out uh, now to go in the pub library. Um, and it's about drinking Dark Star Hophead at the Evening Star pub in Brighton. And did you know Dark Star was named after the Grateful Dead song? Did you know that? Yes, I did. Yeah, it's a good, good factoid. And also, um, Cass McCombs covers Dark Star on a Grateful Dead tribute album. Oh, that's good. I'm pretty sure he does, because he's got two tracks on that tribute album, and so has Bonnie Prince Billy, bizarrely. Good like this. Anyway, this is such a beautiful piece of writing from Emma, so I thought I'd give this a read. It's rare that I order a pint nowadays. In a world where there are so many beers to try, I usually choose smaller measures, even of sessionable ales, 
But I always order a pint of Hophead, with its flash of elderflower aromas and just enough bitterness to clear the palate. It's a beer I've drunk in beer gardens, over sunny afternoons, and on ice-cold evenings with my cheeks pinched pink. It's a beer I've shared with friends, and one I've sometimes had the luxury of drinking alone. It's the beer that puts me in mind of my hometown, and the one I can almost feel on my top lip as my train pulls into the station. Some beers are polite. They fade pleasantly into the background as they accompany our conversations, never dominating, never shouting. Other beers push to the front, demanding to be heard, making sure you won't ignore them. But some of the best beers, like the pin-bright evening star hanging in a clear sky, or a familiar story repeated to fade, simply light your way home. Oh, yes, please. Very nice piece of writing. And, yeah... Go, yeah, do, do check out Emma Inch's writing and, and follow her on Twitter and everything because she's a fantastic um, writer and broadcaster. Yes, and do check out um, that Grateful Dead tribute album. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's called Day of the Dead. And bizarrely, there's two Dark Star tracks on that. One's by Casper Coombs, the other's by The Flaming Lips. Oh, quite good. Are you a deadhead, Deb? Uh, yeah, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a deadhead, but yeah, I'm partial to a little bit of Grateful Dead. I was just thinking while you're reading that, there's no way. I mean, this is the trouble with not drinking. There is a sort of, um, you know, there's this element, like no one would ever write anything like that about Pepsi. <laughs> you know I mean? They probably could. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Well, you're, you are, you're that person. You've got to do I it. I don't know. I don't know if I'd <laughs> stake my reputation on it. Um, but yeah, there's nothing poetic about teetotalism, you know, unfortunately. There's clarity, though, the poetry of clarity. <laughs> yeah, but I, I really don't want to ever, with Moon Underwater, sort of be kind of romanticised getting drunk and drinking, although we probably do do that. But I mean, about 90% of what we do. 90%, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, it's about the pubs as well, isn't it? I mean, that's what's, you know, you don't have to drink to enjoy pubs. Yeah, what Emma does so brilliantly in her writing is not only talk really well about beer and how it tastes and how it's made, but also to just those those atmospheres mm. that you get. And it doesn't really matter whether you're drinking or not to appreciate and be a part of that atmosphere. Mm. I think if you just if you like beer or wine or spirits or whatever it is, they they perhaps, you know, bring a bit of buzz into the atmos of the mind, but it doesn't mean that not everyone can in, in, enjoy that atmos. I mean, I've been out to a couple of pubs recently with uh, people who don't drink. And sometimes I think you're actually having a better time than me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love a pub. And even with, you know, that description of the beer garden and stuff, I love a beer. I would gladly sit in a beer garden for six hours. But I think um, I think when you don't, <laughs> I think it's a twofold thing. I think when you don't drink, people are reluctant to invite you to the pub because they think you want to enjoy it and also because they don't want a sober person sitting there in judgment of all of their... Really? Do you think that happens? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, or maybe people just don't want to go to the pub with me. (laughs) (laughs) But is it... Is it worrying about judgment or is it worrying about judging yourself when you are with a sober person who is having a good time? Because it's almost like you don't want to be reminded that there's another way. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like, yeah, having a sort of stark reminder there of the fact that, yeah, it is possible to um, to have a good time without drinking. Uh, yeah, I mean, peop- my friends are, are normally pretty good, but I think some people do take offence or take issue with having someone sitting there who's not drinking. Also, there's the fact that, like, the sober person is likely to remember most of the stuff you said verbatim. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you know is capable of calling that back the following day maybe you don't want that kind of reminder but i mean the awful thing is getting asked why you're not drinking isn't it you know, yeah that kind of whole yeah especially thing. when you have to say i'm a jew <laughs> it's my genetics you know because i don't really have a better answer than that except you know it makes me feel sick because i've got a jewish tummy <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly my mom calls it jew stomach i feel like it needs a catchier name than that um. <laughs> was there was there a big jewish community in dublin um, bigger than you might imagine. There's like, because uh, obviously Jewish people is when it started getting hostile in certain parts of Europe, kind of went everywhere. Um, but um, Irish people are inclined to emigrate. So th- there's that as well. Uh, but yeah, there's like two synagogues in Dublin. I think there's one in Cork. There's like a Jewish school in uh, Dublin. There's a Jewish bakery in Dublin. Like we had a, I mean, I'm only a fair weather Jew. Like my mum never made me do my bat mitzvah or anything like that. So I'm not like um, totally, I, do, I don't feel like I was completely like immersed in the community there. But like there's, there's probably more than you might expect. Bloom is Jewish and Ulysses, isn't he? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, we move away from the spirits in the library to perhaps terra firma or firma terra uh, with (laughs) the Moon Underwater pub jukebox. Now, Deb, we have a jukebox here in the Moon Underwater, which is host to all of our guests' favourite albums to hear in a pub. Now, we have discussed that actually, even though you are a, a DJ... And a disc jockey. I do think they have a slightly different meaning, even though they are the same thing. Can you can you qualify that? What do you mean? Well, I would if I went to the bar where you were DJing. I wouldn't say ask the disc jockey, mm. or I wouldn't say, "Oh, look at the disc jockey over there; they're playing great tunes." But I think playing music on the radio, I probably would call you a disc jockey. Really? Because it harks back to. The golden age of Radio 1. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't but know. it's such a weird expression. Disc jockey. Mm, disc jockey. Like, it's such a strange image. It's quite an amusing image, actually, yeah, when you is. think about it, literally. To jockey some discs. <laughs> it's really odd. <laughs> it's just weird thinking about when you're on the radio, people can't see you, and then if they use the term disc jockey, what are they picturing you doing? I don't know if I'm... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, anyway, uh, what album would you like to have on the Moon Underwater pub? Um, I think I've been thinking about this something nice and cosy and familiar that I can sort of ignore if I feel like I want to ignore it or I can sort of tune into if the conversation is getting a bit boring I'm thinking maybe Bob Dylan maybe Blood on the Tracks Um, yeah that's I think what I would go with yeah great what an album it's one of those albums where it literally, I mean, every song on it is just an absolute classic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it is, you know, speaking of of uh, venues or whatever, playing an album, you know, all in one go, that would be such a perfect choice to hear all of those songs in the right order. But um, it's weird. I've noticed, you know, he sold his back catalogue um, to, I think it's Warner. And... Um, a song from that album, I think it's Shelter from the Storm, popped up on an ad on TV the other day. It was really shocking. Yeah, I I didn't like it at all. I mean, I guess that's what happened. You know, that's the natural follow-on from selling off your catalogue. But yeah, it was a bit jarring. Well, isn't that what happened, that sort of same jarring experience when the Michael Jackson bought the Beatles back catalogue and they started being in like Pepsi adverts and Nike adverts (laughs) and stuff? Yeah. And they had never been anywhere near that sort of world before. Am I right in that, Rob? Yeah, Jack, yeah, he he bought the um 
the rights. And Paul McCartney, it's quite a funny thing my friend Joe Wisby did where he says whenever Paul McCartney's asked about it, his impression of Michael Jackson gets slightly more ridiculous each <laughs> right. time he's asked until he ends up sounding like Kermit the Frog. Because there's an interview with, there is, I saw an interview with Paul McCartney where he was talking about how strange it was to see his own music advertising stuff that he like it's one thing if you decide to make that decision to kind of sell your music that way but to not have a choice in that seems quite bizarre when you're that that bigger musician that's quite a weird agenda for michael jackson to have as well why did he need to sell the beatles music to pepsi surely he had his own yeah but i guess in a sense based on what's happening now where so many musicians are selling their 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 rights he was sort of ahead of the game, really. There's money to be made, I think, for, you know, if if Bob Dylan, say, for example, and let's say he lives another 10 years, to get 250 million for those 10 years, and then that music can then pay for itself over the next 50 years. I don't know. I mean, it's sort of a horrible way to think about music, but I guess everything has a value. But I, I, he's quite he's quite disengaged from his music now, though, isn't he? Like, he probably doesn't care that much. It didn't surprise me that much when I saw that was happening. But it is shocking, like, to suddenly hear Bob Dylan, because, I don't know, people associate him with, like, truth and honesty and authenticity, and, like, they treat him like some kind of guru. So it is quite weird to suddenly see his track pop up on an ad. I think there's something in it which is to do with kind of just looking after the repertoire and kind of... Well, no, actually, that's not exactly not what he's doing, isn't it? Because <laughs> he's selling <laughs> he doesn't it. Give a shit about the repertoire. <laughs> yeah. If you went to see someone like Bob Dylan or Van Morrison live, you might think that even their performance was an act of disengaging with their music, and it's essentially just a revenue stream. Because yeah, but Bob Dylan's last album is really good. You know, he's still writing really interesting music. I think. Like still lyrically really interesting. I I just spoke to someone who went to see him live, and uh, and they said uh, they 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 came away and was said to their friend like, oh, "It's just a real shame he didn't play any of the hits." And their friend was like, "That's all he was playing. <laughs> he just <laughs> really? couldn't tell the difference yeah, between yeah. the songs." There's um. Have you read Chronicles? His um. His book. yes, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. But you know that bit where he, it's so funny, like where he's reflecting on that period of his life when it was kind of after he went electric and he kind of found he couldn't write the same sort of songs anymore. But people were like following him around the country, like you are basically the second coming of Jesus. Like tell us what to do next. And all he'd done was written this bunch of songs, which obviously people you know looked into far more than he expected them to or intended them to so it's kind of no surprise that he's divorcing himself from that music really mm. there's nothing wrong with someone getting paid and getting paid a, an, an enormous sum of money for being creative i think i mean i think what perhaps bugs people is when that these people are already very wealthy mm. it's a bit like what's going on in golf at the minute i never thought i'd make that <laughs> comparison but you know people who earn 20 million a year making morally dubious decisions to then earn a hundred million a year but you know you got to get paid 20 million doesn't sound like that much does it pay 20 million for a house in london surely <laughs> these days yeah it's true <laughs> uh robin thoughts um oh, i was just going to go back to the chronicles thing the thing i can never i never understood about chronicles the way he talks about songwriting is he always talks about you know i wrote a song and put it in a drawer he says one thing about 
I wrote these two songs and put them in a drawer and see if they could talk to each other. <laughs> so he says that at one point. But it's like, I don't understand in what sense he means by writing a song. Does he just mean writing the lyrics down? Like, how does he rem- Do you know what I mean? Like, what's, the, what's his act of writing? Is he re- recording demos of them? How does he remember them? I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like when I was reading that bit, he was talking about a period of his life when he wasn't writing very good music. <laughs> In my opinion, right. it wasn't like a yeah, good, yeah. necessarily a good... Right, a good... the kind of 80s Christian film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so... The draw tapes. Maybe it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, but I'm just I'm just curious about his method, really, because like, what, what does he mean by writing a song, as in writing on a piece of paper? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, I know, it sounds like he maybe was sitting with his guitar and sort of coming up with the melody and writing down the chords and stuff like that. I don't know, you should get him on this podcast. He'd be a good person yeah. to speak to about pubs, yeah. I reckon. He probably loves a good pub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For my second draft choice, <laughs> I would like John Smith's. <laughs> I once met a man, three-finger Jimmy, drinking John Smith's out of the back of a bar in Cleveland. It would be quite something. That would be such a scoop. You should definitely try and get him. He's probably, what's he doing these days? He's not, do you know what I mean? Like, he's just sitting on his big pile of money. He's probably bored, probably dying to do some podcasts. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll tap him up. <laughs> mm. Dilsey, get in the moon underwater. Yeah. With our extensive Dylan knowledge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Blood on the Tracks, though, great. Yeah, Blood on the Tracks is a, is a masterpiece. Always will be. Your wild card choice, please, Deb. Now, is this bo- is this drink wise? Be anything you like. Anything I like. Okay, so I know that there's a um, I know that a lot of people aren't a fan of having TV screens in uh, in pubs. I think it's quite nice to have a sporting event that everyone can sort of either get really into or just sort of glance at when the conversation lulls. I would almost rather have that than. I'd certainly rather have that than someone like playing live music in the corner. But um, I'm not uh, I'm not that interested in football. Boxing maybe might be interesting. One thing I wish they showed more of in this country is basketball. Basketball is such an underrated sport to watch. It's like there's something happening every moment. You know, maybe this, maybe football is too subtle for me and there's something I'm missing. But with basketball, it's like nonstop action. Every single moment there's something happening. And literally there could be like seven seconds before the end of the game and the entire thing could just turn around. This is just my way to crowbar um, a rant about basketball (laughs) (laughs) into this conversation. But like if there was like screens up, showing like and the UK teams are really good or I'd watch an NBA game whatever um but yeah if there were screens in the corner showing showing some basketball that would be I would I would really enjoy I think other people would enjoy that as well actually interesting there's definitely something about like when you go to an American bar like you'll start watching sport even if you've got no interest in it kind of for the flavour of being there a bit is it part of that as well oh I don't know like Americans take it a bit too far like I went I uh, where was I? I went to Memphis. I was on Beale Street, which is kind of a touristy place now, but that's like the famous Blue Street um, in Memphis. And every single bar would have like some proper old blues dude, like playing amazing slide guitar, 
and he'd be up on a stage and then you'd have like an American football game with the sound up in one corner. You know, you'd have baseball up in the other, other corner. You'd have basketball in another corner, all with the sound up with this guy playing this incredible music at the same time, um, which is just like at best, like overstimulation at worst, like incredibly disrespectful um, to this uh, to this musician. So that's a bit much. But I think one one sports game, specifically basketball, is quite a nice distraction to have in a pub. A basketball game it is. That's your wild card. There's so many points in basketball. Yeah, that's why yeah. I like it. But then I think an argument people make about why football's good is the rarity value of goals. But I just think that makes it more boring more often. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like if you are watching a football game and it's 3-0... Well, you know, it's it would be anomalous for the other team to pull that back. Whereas in basketball, a team could be down 25 points and then in the last three minutes, they could turn it all around. It's genuinely exciting. I think I'd put it this way, that football is the game where it's most boring to watch a draw. Mm. Like in most other sports, in fact, all other sports, a draw is like super, super exciting. Yeah, that's And true. rare. Yeah, yeah. I once saw... Um, I was, the only live basketball game I saw was in Plymouth because um, my friend Ben used to play for the for the guess, the Plymouth University team. So we went down to see them. And before it started, the mascot came on and there was a trampoline. And he jumped on the trampoline to do a slam dunk, but he broke the backboard. It fell over. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever seen a mascot look ashamed. <laughs> How do they communicate their shame just with body language? Or did he take that? Yeah, what, hang on, what was he dressed language. as? What was the mascot? I can't remember. I want to say a dinosaur of some kind. Oh, okay. I, can't, I can't quite remember now. Well, it is the Jurassic Coast. <laughs> yeah, very oh, good yeah. point, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like a half hour delay before the game starts. <laughs> oh, my God. And I was like, this always happens. It never happened oh, before. Oh, no. I'm so sorry for that for that poor, awkward experience yeah. out of watching basketball. That's terrible. <laughs> No, I enjoyed it. After that. it <laughs> it's great. a good story. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, most of the time it's very serious, and nothing like that would ever happen. <laughs> Fantastic choice for the wild card. Uh, but we now briefly leave our Johnny Come Flyby Nightlies to hear Deb Grant's patron-only dream pub companion choice. If you would like to support this podcast on Patreon, head over to moonunderpod.com and click through to give six, but six pounds a month, uh, for which you get bonus podcasts, uh, advance warning of live tickets. You get the bonus uh, choice. You also get uh, to put in a draw to be in the patron's poem and, and many other great things, though it might just be those things. Oh, ad-free extended episodes. There you go. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're barred. Well, we return to the Johnny Come Flyby Nightlies after a fascinating chat uh, about Deb Grant's dream guest, who I've got to say I would love to meet. Um, but now we have uh, two small bits of admin before we let you go back to the other realm. Uh, first off, what would you bar from your pub? What are you? What are you having? Absolutely none of that. Um, children. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Do people often say that or is that not allowed? Some people do. And I have to say, I have had my mind opened to this because I was certainly uh, team no kids when we first started uh, here at the Moon Underwater. But then a few people have made the very valid point is that sort of broad strokes, if you ban children, you often ban access to women. I'm a woman. Yes, I mean, women women with children. But like, can someone ask, oh, what did our parents do? Well, maybe our moms just didn't go to the well, pub. Well, they parked you in your car <laughs> yeah, and made you stare at a car. pub for two hours. <laughs> and you hated it. What's and wrong with that? your sister called it nauseous <laughs> boredom. <laughs> yeah, but we all turned out okay and it was fine. Um, no, that is, a, that is a very good point. I suppose it is one of those sort of hidden, um, hidden sort of modes of sexism then again i feel like and this is totally anecdotal i feel like i mainly see dads in the pub with their kids is that my imagination uh living near east dulwich i i did tweet the other day is it possible to find a pub in east dulwich that isn't a crash mm. because that's some of the and it's i don't have a problem with kids in pubs but it's when you look around and there are like you're in the minority because you don't have a kid and it's a bit like what's what's kind of happened here. Yeah. Do you know what and I mean? The like the kids it's... don't the kids aren't having a good time. I mean, there's nothing like a pub isn't fun for a kid, is it? Mm. I mean, I feel like I feel bad for the the kids make me feel bad when I see them in the pub because they're just bored and they're there against their will. Do kids enjoy pubs? I don't think they do. There is something sort of uniquely sad about a kid hunched over a like a half a tall half glass of lemonade with a straw just sort of fiddling around with a straw in their mouth. Mm. <laughs> Rather that than have them running around, though, to be fair. Well, yeah. yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's... I mean, we get some people saying no dogs in pubs as well, mm. you know. But I, I do think it's one of those things where it's absolutely fine if you kind of... You're looking after them, isn't it? Like, if the kids are just running around and yeah. muck, mucking about, <laughs> then, you know, play. that is... That is annoying. Like if your dog's just barking and running around. Do people not want dogs in pubs? That's a bit sociopathic. I'd have dogs in the pub. (laughs) Says ban the children. It's ironic, really, because there's so much on my drinks menu which children would love. Yes. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think there is. I mean, dogs. If you're serving food, I think it's a bit mad to have dogs in there, to be honest. But there we go. What do I know? There's a there's a great pub in Walthamstow. Not only does does it officially ban children, it's also got several cats. Oh, is this my pub? Is this 
is this the pub of my dreams? Is it the Nags Head? You should, it is. It's oh, a dreamy pub. Pussy cats everywhere. Yeah, it's oh. it's great. I see even more unhygienic. So, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, no, I'm joking. I like cats. Uh, and I've got to give a shout. The Bag of Nails in Bristol is a great cat. I've pub. heard about yeah. this place. It's got like, uh, like the cat is, is it one cat or is it several cats? No, there's loads. Is loads there? and loads. Yeah. There's, we, I think the, the pub cat is in decline. And it's a real shame. Just a little lovely little pussycat sat on the windowsill. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. There's a, yeah. a pub near me is just reopened and the owners have brought their, two, their, their cat there. So I go there sometimes to give it a bit of a stroke, but it's still getting used to the fact everyone's around there. But you, this is your dream. This is your fantasy. If you don't want kids in your dream pub, that's absolutely fine. There's a Pizza Express next door. There's soft play <laughs> down the road. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Send them there. I'd be happy with that. Hurry up, please. It's time. And finally, uh, Deb, we thank you so much for your time. Uh, what were you going to call your dream pub? I think maybe, how about the Cat and Minerals? The Cat and Minerals. <laughs> Very nice. Very good. I like that. Well, the cat and minerals. just to recap what's on the bar at the Cat and Minerals. On draft, we have Pepsi and Smithix. <laughs> uh, in bottles, we have TK Red Lemonade and any pretentious seltzer. <laughs> Spirits, we have Frangelico and Bailey's. On the jukebox is Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks. The wild card is a basketball game. And there are no kids. And who is Deb with there? Well, you have to sp- subscribe on Patreon to find out. And it's name The Cat and Mineral. So as you return to the other realm, Deb, we thank you for your time. And do check out Deb's shows on Six Music and Jazz FM. And go and see her DJ live, or should I say disc jockey live, at the social or spirit land. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.